Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for November 4th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talk cotton and learn about harvest progress in northeast Arkansas, and we hear about the art, etiquette, and ethics of photo shoots on the farm. We also discuss problems caused by the invasive Egyptian goose. First, Travis Center II with Center Farms and Center and Sons Gin in Mississippi County updates us on the cotton harvest progress in the northeast corner of the state. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today my guest is Travis Center with Center Farms and Center and Sons Gin up in Kaiser, Arkansas in Mississippi County. Welcome to AgCast, Travis. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it's a busy time for y'all up there in northeast Arkansas, Uh, a lot going on. we were hoping maybe we could kind of get an update on uh, on what's happening on the farm and maybe a little bit about what's going on at the cotton gin, too. Yes, sir. Uh, we've been just, uh, just wide open with it. Uh, you know, for the last, I don't know, it seems like for the last 60 days we've been doing something, uh, getting ready for harvest and then actually harvesting. And uh, cotton uh, harvest is going well. I think we were probably right around 40% done or we will be 40% done with our cotton harvest today. Um, so we've got quite a bit left. Um, and then uh, cotton, uh, the yields have been, been pretty good so far. Uh, we, we, were, we were blessed with uh, really good harvest weather this year. It seems like uh, we got a little rain shower. I think that was Friday. Um, so that kind of put us back a day or two. Uh, a little bit of wind, um, but nothing to really to be you know, truly alarmed about. So uh, things have been well. That's that's good news, and uh, we should tell folks uh, you farm with your dad, uh, who is also Travis, and uh, y'all raise soybeans, rice, corn, and cotton, right? That's right. Yes, sir. So uh, y'all got a big. We're right here. We're we're in Mississippi County here. Uh, we you know we do have a, an abundance of irrigation. Um, you know, so the, the crops have, have turned out well. You know, we had quite a bit of dry. In our area right here, there was quite a bit of, uh, you know, a, a big long dry spell in July, which is usually, you know, devastating on, on yields. But we were able to, to maintain that and uh, keep keep things going. I know, uh, Travis, you're kind of a techie guy, aren't you? You like uh, yeah. new technology. And uh, how, how does that help you on your farm? How, how has it helped you this uh, harvest season? There are tons of things we do with uh, harvest uh, applications as far as uh, technology goes. You know, every machine we have is, is tracked through the, the My Job Deer app. Um, they, you know, I can see where everything's at. Um, all the machines are linked together. We share coverage with each other. Um, the app itself, you can log in on it, and it, can, it tells you, you know, exactly how much longer you've got left in each field. Um, you know, those are things for me as far as, you know, managing time and people and placement of equipment. Uh, trucks for grain harvest um you know just you know where everybody's at you know what, what's going on and uh you know you don't have to just be hands-on with it you can do other things and uh, so that that helps out a lot for us do y'all also uh find drones useful on your farm is that part of the new technology y'all use up there 
We do. We use drones. I've got several drones I use myself. I've used it for some NDVI imagery before. Um, and, you know, mostly just the, the things that I use it for is just kind of monitoring irrigation or just looking at something when it may rain and I want to just check something out. I'll pull the drone out. And uh, There's probably not a single day that goes by that I don't fly a drone at least one time. Um, it's also a good, good opportunity to, right before you harvest a field, it's good to get kind of an aerial view of that field. Just to kind of, in case you were to see something on a yield map or something like that, you might want to just take a look and see, you know, what what actually was going on there with with aerial imagery that, that you get, and uh, so that helps that quite a bit. So, and I I'll go through those, you know, sometime later in the in the fall or in the winter, um, you know, if I saw something that, that in the yield map that alarmed me, I would pull out those those drone images and then uh, maybe find something that I could have done different. And so uh, what else is going on on the farm right now? I know we know you're out there uh, working on a cotton harvest. Uh, have you got the rice harvest behind you yet? And the corn we have. Harvest? In, in, in fact, I'm actually I'm on a combine right this second. Okay. Going back and forth. We're, we're harvesting soybeans now. Um, we should finish up soybeans, I hope, by the end of the week. We have finished rice harvest, corn harvest as well. Um, I had one of my best rice harvests that I've had in five or six years um and then uh, soybeans so far have looked really good and uh you know so we're we're optimistic we're going to have a really good crop uh, but you know let's just try to try to do all you can and, and get it all done so it's all always nice hearing uh any of our farmers who haven't been hit hard by some type of bad weather or, uh, you know, crop failure or something like that. So we're glad to hear y'all are doing well. How, how's uh, business at the cotton gin this fall? Cotton gin's been going well. We got a uh, cotton has been a bit, a bit late. Um, cotton kind of the planting season was, was a little late. So all year cotton has been about two weeks behind and, uh, just maybe slowly caught up right there at the end. But, uh, you know, so we were basically, if you look at the, the timing of first gin date, we were about two weeks behind of what we normally gin. And uh, the, the gin itself is going well. You know, last year we, we spoke once before about, you know, some of the upgrades we did on the, the you know, the cotton gin press side of things. And uh, this year we made some pretty steep upgrades on the cleaning capacity side, as well as some of the, the moisture um, situation. We put new heaters in to, to help us dry the cotton a little better in case we were to get a wet fall um but we haven't really had to utilize them to their full advantage but uh it's good good to do some of those upgrades uh those are the things that you notice when you you increase capacity on the back side which basically on the press side of things well then you see where your bottlenecks are on the front side so we were trying to address those things with those those changes and uh things have been going pretty good um you know, it was always just a, a rocky start, I guess, getting things up and going and finding, you know, employees and people and just making sure you've got everything in order. And that's that's always a, a struggle with a cotton gin and with the hours that we put in. And, and But, you know, once you get everything going and, and it starts sailing along, then you just get it finished. Has that been a, a big issue for y'all, maybe more so this year because of the pandemic, trying to find help uh, at the gin and on the farm? It has. It's always a. Uh, it's always something we deal with. Um, you know, we we have a good crew. I'm not gonna lie. I've got some guys that have been with me for years and years. 
even you know their their grandfathers have worked for us and so those guys are are, are solid and uh it's just sometimes you need some some you know extra employees here and there when you're spread thin with harvest when you've got everybody it seems like rice harvest is always the hardest because it takes so many trucks and so many you know grain carts and combines and just there's a lot of management with rice and once you get the rice harvest out of the way things are, are a little bit easier um you know so that's one of the things that makes it easier once you get going but uh with the covid with with you know just the employment situations it is difficult and especially at the gym just trying to find good quality help and uh help that will will, will stay and, and, and be with you basically we uh, had the honor of uh, uh, recognizing uh, the Center Family Farm as the Northeast District Farm Family of the Year back in 2020, not too long ago. And I know them. We met a couple of sons of yours, Trace and Ellison, right? Uh, That's right. They must yeah, be. Uh, they must be yes, getting son. the age. They're coming up. Uh, maybe going to be farm hands. They are. I've got a son, Trace. He's 15, and a daughter, Ellison. She's oh, 13. Daughter. Okay, I'm sorry, and, uh, Ellison. <laughs> yeah, and she was, uh, they were both with me yesterday. We were tagging uh, cotton modules yesterday, so they were good help doing that yesterday, uh, just making sure cotton modules for me and helping me out there. But, uh, yeah, they're they're always wanting to get involved and, and help out, and I hope they, they continue to do that. So, Well, I know you're busy. You're out there working right now, and uh, we really, really appreciate you taking time on the farm to uh, talk to us for a few minutes and catch us up to date on how things are going in northeast Arkansas. We hope that everything continues on the right track and you have the best harvest year ever. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the opportunity to, in any, in any fashion, to, uh, you know, to share our story and uh, to Tell the world how, how things are going for it. Very good. Thank you so much for your time, Travis. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Next, Dr. Caleb Roberts with the Arkansas Cooperative Fish and Wildlife Research Unit discusses efforts to learn more about the invasive Egyptian goose in our state. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, I have a special guest, Dr. Caleb Roberts, who is with the U.S. Geological Survey's Arkansas Cooperative Fish and Wildlife Research Unit at U of A. Dr. Roberts, uh, welcome to AgCast. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, let's start out. Uh, A lot of people maybe don't know a lot about what uh, the unit does up there. How about let's start out and let you kind of explain your job in uh, this uh, Cooperative Fish and Wildlife Research Unit and what y'all do. Yeah, so um, as you said, I'm an employee of the U.S. Geological Survey, and but we're embedded in uh, U of A, so there's three of us up here. My position is an assistant unit leader, and essentially, even though we have a lot of acronyms and sort of long names for what we do, um, I am, for all intents and purposes, a professor. Um, I mentor graduate students. I run research projects. Um, the unit is very especially devoted to working with our cooperators, which is hence the name cooperative unit. Um, and our big cooperators are Arkansas Game and Fish, the university, and uh, to a lesser extent, Fish and Wildlife Service. So yeah, we, we're, we're here to do research on behalf of the state and um, federal entities and, and basically how, how can we help and uh, how what are issues that are important for conservation of natural resources and that's what we do 
And today, the issue we're particularly interested in, uh, we're going to talk about an invasive species, the Egyptian goose. And I know y'all are doing some research work there to uh, learn more about the distribution and abundance of these birds in Arkansas. Uh, So maybe you could start by explaining to folks a little about this goose and why, why is it of interest? Yeah, so the Egyptian goose is uh, an invasive species in North America. It's originally from uh, sub-Saharan Africa. So uh, there's a a lot of them in Africa. They would be sort of equivalent to maybe Canada geese, um, as how ubiquitous they are. And um, they actually are a bad invasive, not just in North America, but in uh, Europe. So uh, they they are actually one of the number one... um, invasive waterfowl in Europe. Uh, they've been there since the late 80s. And in North America, they have sort of a similar trajectory. We're just a little bit earlier on the on the invasion curve, if you will. So they were, you know, people's individual pets or specimens, and they got loose over time. And um, they're just slowly getting more and more spreading around the U.S. And yeah, in Arkansas, they're Mostly, as, as far as we know, up in northwest Arkansas and some uh, near Little Rock or around Conway. But that's part of what we're trying to do here is trying to figure out where they are. And then also, what are their potential impacts? So we're going to be looking at what are the impacts that they've had in Europe, what are the impacts they're having currently in North America, and try to get it into you know brass tacks or units that your listeners and the farmers of Arkansas would care about um, how would it affect them what are some of the effects that they are known to have where where they do occur what what are some of the uh, problems i guess that they cause definitely yeah that, so in in europe they've been known to be really bad for sort of as a, as a public nuisance uh, so they will foul up golf courses they will uh, they've been known to cause lakes to get real eutrophic, which means, you know, they kind of get real scummy with algae and stuff. Uh, and they can be a pest to other waterfowl. They've been known to do things as random, if you will, as uh, bother um, hawks and eagles and affect how they nest and um, attack other waterfowl sometimes. They're being investigated right now for um, – whether they will be a spreader of any kind of avian disease, which um, at, at, at this point, it's not clear if that that's the case, but that is a concern. And given the fact that they live kind of, especially in North America around people, you know, around ponds or uh, golf courses, that could be an issue um, given how much poultry is important in the state. Yeah. Especially uh, you mentioned there there's been, quite a few sightings up in northwest Arkansas, and that being a very huge poultry-producing area for the whole country. I guess uh, that's a, a concern, at least at this point. Definitely, yeah, and I'll reiterate, it's not clear that that uh, is the case, and we are not specifically investigating that, but we that is something that Arkansas Game and Fish, um, you know, has... That's part of the reason why that they wanted us to do this project. I will also add that they can be a significant um, pressure on crops. They've been known in some parts of Africa to cause 
up to 60% of uh, loss of like barley fields when they come in there. Now that's, I'm, I'm, that's, you know, you can't extrapolate that to whole, to all of Arkansas or anything, but right, right. they can have some bad individual effects on um, farmers. And so uh, I guess uh, since we're on air and uh, not doing a video here where people are just listening, can you describe what these geese look like? They're really pretty distinctive birds, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. So they are, for one thing, they're, you know, I guess, of interest. They're not actually geese. They're um, in the family of shell ducks. So, and there's not really any, um, or there are a few natives of those in the Americas. So they have kind of, they're kind of tall-ish birds. They have a shorter neck maybe than Canada geese, but they have a red kind of patch around their eyes, um, kind of a white breast, uh, black wing tips. And I mean, I think that they're very pretty. They have kind of some red and rust in their, their wings. Um, their feet are kind of pinkish red. I've actually seen a few of these birds and the thing that really stood out to me was that patch around the eye. It's kind mm -hmm. of reddish or reddish brown. And mm -hmm. uh, when you see it, you know immediately that's that's what this bird is. That's right. Yeah, I think the only thing that would be close to it would be a Muscovy duck, which is also, by yes. the way, an invasive. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so uh, when folks are out there, if they should spot one of these birds, and we don't mean in somebody's backyard necessarily, but if uh, they see one of these birds out in the wild, uh, you would like for them to report that, correct? That's correct, yeah. So you can uh, report it to the UA, UA Extension Service um, or Arkansas Game and Fish. We're working with both of those entities. Is there a, a specific way do people call or is there a, like an online report form or something like that? Uh, right now, it's a little bit informal. We're um, asking folks to go through uh, Becky McPeak, who's the UA Extension um, for Invasive Species uh, in Monticello. And um, Karen Rao is also an option. And um, <laughs> if you can find my email, I suppose we can do it that way. We're we're trying. Karen Rao at, at the Arkansas Game and Fish is trying to set up an eBird portal, which is a way for folks to get online and report the sighting. And in fact, people can do that themselves right now. Uh, they just have to make an, make an account, but they're trying to make it easier, uh, but that's still in the works. Okay, so we want folks to be on the lookout for these Egyptian geese. They're really ducks. Uh, they kind of look like a duck to me, a little more than a goose. Uh, but uh, do you think folks might even see them over in eastern Arkansas in the Delta? Or so far, not not any reports much over there, right? So far, yeah. So uh, I like a few things about this. So one thing is there's the, the eBird portal I mentioned. That's a way for citizens to just anybody to report uh, sightings online. And uh, you can basically say where you are and put it up there and, and it, it'll be accessible for us to use. Anybody can use it as a matter of fact. But so that's a way for people to get the information out and maybe we'll see that spreading over time. Um, but the, the, the issue I do want to point out is that invasive species more broadly, not just the Egyptian geese, often have a, we call it a temporal lag. 
but in in sort of more normal terms, I guess, it just means that a lot of invasive species take a while before they really take off, before they really uh, blow up in population. And they kind of send out incipient populations where they just spread a little bit, maybe people won't notice them, or it's just a novelty or something. But then um, at some point, it's not clear, we're not yet able to predict when this will happen, they can blow up. And that's what's happened in Europe, you know, to their detriment. And that's what we don't want to happen here. That's why Arkansas Game and Fish is really being proactive about this to see uh, what can we learn about it? What are their ill effects and how can we know where to uh, manage them when, when we, after we do the study? They are already fairly common in Texas, Florida, and California. They're spreading throughout the rest of the U.S. So it's not just an Arkansas problem. But, um, you know, how we handle them in this state can provide an example and, of course, directly benefit us. Folks can uh, go to eBird. It's uh, just like it sounds, E-B-I-R-D, eBird.org, O-R-G. It's pretty simple to use. A lot of people report uh, different types of birds there uh, all over the country. And uh, that's a good way to put your reports in there where y'all can find them. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, we hope, uh, folks will take time to do that. It's, uh, invasive species or something we need to try to stay out in front of. And hopefully we're in front of this problem and maybe we can prevent it from becoming a worse issue as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always most cost efficient to manage invasive species before they're a huge problem. After that, it's an ex- extremely difficult thing to deal with and costs a lot, a lot more money. Well, we appreciate you, Dr. Roberts, taking time today to uh, discuss this issue. And uh, we hope folks who are listening will get involved and keep their eyes peeled for Egyptian geese when they're out and about. All right. Thank you, Keith. Thank you very much. Finally, taking pictures on farms has become very popular for family portraits and social media, but before you plan your shoot, you may want to listen to these basic guidelines for photography in the fields and on farm property from longtime photographer Fred Miller, science editor for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and I've got a very special guest today. I think y'all are going to enjoy this very much. My uh, my guest is Fred Miller, who is the science editor for the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture. Fred, welcome to AgCast. Uh, very glad to be here, Keith. Uh, I appreciate uh, uh, your interest and your time in this, and um, I'm just ready to talk some uh, some photography and some agriculture. Well, uh, we should start by telling people you've been uh, – in your current position for uh, almost 24 years, uh, I believe. And one of the uh, things you do is uh, a lot of photography. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. But you're also a writer, an editor. I know you have a a long career uh, working with some of our colleges and, and there at U of A. Uh, but mm-hmm. we want to kind of delve into the photography, uh, aspect of what you do. Why don't you tell folks, first of all, uh, how that relates to, to your day-to-day work? Uh, sure. Uh, my, uh, job as uh, science editor is, uh, basically I'm, 
uh, interviewing scientists uh, at the Arkansas Agricultural Experiment Station, which is the uh, research arm of the U of A System Division of Agriculture. And uh, I interviewed those scientists about uh, what they're working on. And uh, when I interview them, I'm also photographing them. So it's uh, uh, my writing and my photography go hand in hand. It, it always has throughout my career, even back in my newspaper days. Um, and so uh, what I'm trying to do is, is uh, uh, translate for folks. I'm kind of a translator. The scientists like to talk in their jargon and, and their terminology, and I, and I try to translate that uh, in words and pictures uh, for the rest of us so, so people know uh, what kind of work is being done and what, how it benefits them, how it benefits uh, Arkansas's people and its economy and its communities. So that's uh, it in a nutshell. I have admired your work for many years, and uh, I'm fortunate, and I'm kind of trying to follow in your footsteps over here at Farm Bureau. I get to do a lot of the same, visiting our farmers and ranchers and telling their stories. One of the things recently with us getting into fall uh, and harvest seasons in full swing, it's almost over in some areas, but as I've been out, Mm shooting farm photography and videos. One of the things I've noticed and one of the things our farmers have talked about are people uh, more and more wanting to drop in on the cotton farm or the sunflower field or maybe an old barn or even around Mm -hmm. the livestock to shoot photography. Uh, Seems like everybody's a photographer these days and doing selfies and family photos. And we kind of wanted to delve in that today. Uh, I know you've probably seen the same thing. And uh, the farmers are a little concerned sometimes about folks just uh, stopping and walking through the fields. And we wanted to share some, maybe some guidelines they could use to make sure that, that they're not doing anything uh, that would cause any harm to themselves or to the farmer's crop and so forth. Right. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And, uh, and I have to confess that uh, my own uh, practice with that has evolved over the years. Back in, uh, in my 20s, when I was uh, covering agriculture for a Northeast Arkansas newspaper, uh, you know, I was I – was, real bad about uh, seeing a picture as I was driving along and just pulling over and running out in the farm field and taking some photos and, and not thinking twice about it. And uh, But the more involved I got in, in agriculture and, and more I got to know about it, the more I realized that uh, uh, I ought not to be treating farmers' fields like public lands because it's, you know, it's it's their property and it's their livelihood, and um, and so it's important to be to respect that, and uh, you know so it's just uh, and there are a lot of things to consider. I mean, one is you know the farmer, uh, the farmers have have their uh, uh, crops planted and they're they're doing all, all they can to make sure they get the, the best yields out of their crops and they're they're trying to protect them from. Uh, diseases and insect pests and uh, the weather and, and all the things. And so they're putting a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money and resources into those crops. And it's, uh, you know, people need to respect that, uh, you know, that they, they can't just go out there and, 
and run around in them and, and uh, uh, without uh, understanding that they could be causing damage uh, to a farmer's livelihood, uh, farm, a farm family's livelihood. Uh, not to mention that, in, or in addition to that, you know, you don't know uh, on any given time what the farmer has just put on that field. You know, oh yeah, for depending sure. on the time of depending on the time of year and depending on what kind of pest pressure or disease pressure they may have put uh, uh, some pesticide out uh, or some herbicide or or something that uh, you don't want your kids running around in and picking up and getting all over their clothes and all over their skin. They could, uh, you know, it may not cause them serious harm, uh, but it could cause them, uh, you know, some illness or, or, or something. And, it, and if uh, it, it's a bad way to find out that you, especially that uh, your kids might be uh, particularly sensitive to certain, uh, you know, farm chemicals or something. So you, you don't want to go out there and do uh, uh, do that. You know, the farmers are taking great care to put on exactly the amount they need and no more. Uh, and they they are well trained and versed in in how to handle these uh, these herbicides and pesticides and uh, uh, other you know chemicals safely and uh, but uh you know the average person doesn't know that and, and uh, so you know you could be putting yourself or your kids at risk of getting sick or having some skin conditions or something that will be uh, painful uh, uh and and difficult to, to to deal with so you know it's it's best not to just run out there uh, and uh also farmers have you know irrigation systems and uh in many cases they're using sensors in the ground uh that can you know that detect things like soil moisture content so they know when to irrigate and all this sort of thing and you could be damaging some of that equipment uh or even you know tripping over uh some of that irrigation equipment or other things and you know you can you can get hurt if you're uh you know not aware of what's out in the field uh, and kids you know they're just uh, kids are kids, and and they they just they're going to run around. They're looking for a good time, like it, like anyone else, and uh, they're not always aware that there are things out there that they can trip on or fall on that might that might hurt them. And, I know uh, a lot of so times, it's, it's, a lot of times those things aren't visible. Uh, just last week, I was on a farm right. in northeast Arkansas. We were shooting. Uh, a short video with the farmer about the harvest. And uh, as we were shooting, the har the farmer said, don't back up any further. There's a culvert behind mm -hmm. you. And uh, there was a hole right. probably five feet deep by the culvert. We would have fallen in had we not uh, known uh, because the farmer told us. So those things aren't always mm -hmm. apparent when you go out there. So it could be something that could really hurt you. Right. Yeah. You know, farmers are, are careful to keep their fields clean, you know, their, their row, crop rows clean but as they can. But uh, you don't know when there might be a ditch or a hole hidden in the middle of weeds and you go tromping through it. And next thing you know, you're falling in it. And, yes. uh, you know, there are, there are hidden dangers out there and the farmers are aware of it. And they, and they do everything they can to be safe and to keep people safe when they take them out there. But uh, if you just you know, pull off the road and walk into a field, you don't know what you might be uh, stepping into. So it's, uh, 
you know, for your own safety's sake and your in in the sake of your family and kids, you should uh, you know not be in the habit of just walking out and uh, you know falling in. So you uh, and not to mention, you know, when you're doing that, you could also be damaging something. If you step on those sensors in the ground, you could be damaging sensors. Absolutely, uh, and that's you know it costly. Uh, I'll tell a little story on myself one time, and it's, you know, even after I knew better than to walk out into a field, I sometimes uh, would not be that aware of the edges of the fields. And I was uh, I was in the area around Stuttgart, um, and uh, it was evening, and I was uh, just driving around looking for nice uh, photos of rice fields. And, uh, and I was using the uh, you know the low sun angle and everything, and I I saw a really pretty rice field, and uh, it had grass around the edges of it, so there weren't tall weeds around it. And I thought I can just pull over on the side of the road here, get out. I don't have to go out into the field, and I can just take some nice pictures with the the you know the nice uh, setting sunlight on on the on the rice field. And I pulled off the gravel road. And I got out and I started taking some pictures and I wasn't going out in the field. Uh, and the farmhouse was nearby and the farmer came out, to, you know, to see what I was up to. And I, you know, introduced myself and told him who I was and what I was doing. And uh, he pointed to my car and said, you're going to have some trouble getting out of there. And I turned around <laughs> and looked and right, I had pulled off onto the grassy, grassy side, but it had been a lot of rain and my car was sinking into the mud. Oh, no. And uh, I knew... I knew that and get. I, I I was pretty sure I could get out of there because I had pretty good four wheel drive. But I, but uh, I knew that in doing so I was going to tear up this nice mowed grass on the side <laughs> of the field. And he, you know, he he told me he says just do what you got to do, get out, and you know, and I'll fix it, you know. And uh, so you know, I I learned a, a lesson right there. You know, it's it's not just a matter of not going out in the farmer's field. Sure. It's, uh, you know, be respectful of, you know, the farmers are proud of their fields. They're in, they, they make them look pretty. Uh, you know, they do, they go beyond what they have to sometimes to, you know, to make them look nice, not just, you know, be productive, but also to look nice. And and uh, so it, it pays to be aware of that, you know, and if, if I had just stopped in the road, it was one of those, you know, country gravel roads or, and not another car went by the entire time I was out there. I could have stopped in the middle of the road and not heard anything, but I pulled off on the side right, right. and uh, tore, tore up his nice, pretty grass, you know, and uh, so it, uh, it it pays to be respectful. Well, and uh, in that situation, you were fortunate, a cordial farmer, and uh, he was willing to mm-hmm. take care of it. But what what should we do if if we see a pretty place and we'd like to get a photograph should we knock on the door or look for somebody or, or just maybe uh, pass it up? And uh, I know now I see a lot of places where you can pay a small fee and uh, walk out in the field all day if you want to to get pictures in the cotton or sunflowers. What do you recommend? Uh, well, you know, I recommend, you know, trying to find somebody, you know, you know, you, you got to be respectful sometimes, you know, farmers like to sit down and eat, eat dinner <laughs> with their family, same as anybody else. So, you know, I, uh, I'd be a little reluctant in, uh, walking up to somebody's door in the evening when the sun is, is looking pretty and knocking on their door and asking, can I go out in your field? But if I see somebody out, you know, you can always ask them, uh, uh, you know, nowadays when I go out to photograph farm, uh, 
agricultural activity in farm fields and that sort of thing, I usually call ahead. Um, you know, and I, I usually make contact with the, uh, the local county agent, whatever county I'm going to be in, and ask him to help me make contact with a farmer who uh, is is willing to let me go out and take some pictures, and that works pretty good. And by and large, I mean I've I've never encountered uh, a farmer who was going to run me off with a with a rake. You know, they're <laughs> they're uh, you know they're 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 friendly, they're cordial people. You know, they they want you to respect their their fields they want you to respect respect what they do you know um the same as anybody would want to do you wouldn't want somebody wouldn't want a bunch of tourists traipsing through your uh, your restaurant to take pictures beside your your stack of pies or something you know but uh, uh or whatever it is you do for for a living you know it's, it's uh but uh but they're they're generally cordial and you're right there's uh you know agri tourism is is a growing industry in in arkansas uh and in general across the country and uh, there are places where you can go uh and they they have the tours and uh you can you know if you want pictures in a in a farm field you know there are lots of places you can go uh where they're uh comfortable in and in the in the habit of bringing people through their fields to show them what's going on. Um, I, I think the best so suggestion, it, you know, the, the one suggestion you just gave that's always worked for me, I often go through the county extension agents as well. They know a mm-hmm. lot of farmers. They know uh, if they're busy or if it maybe it's slack time of the year, uh, when might yeah. be a good time to visit. And most of them, uh, they're on the farms all the time. They'll even offer to mm-hmm. uh, ask the farmer for you and make introductions. So that's a really good way uh, to get on a farm and do it the right way. Right. Yeah. Just just dropping by. You know, if you can, if you see a pretty picture, you can take from the side of the road. You know, you're you're fine. Uh, you're not going to you know hurt anything or or make anybody mad. But uh, but if you're going to actually you know step off the road and get into the fields you don't want to do that without permission and that's right uh, uh, and uh you know and it's it's more even sometimes than just walking up and knocking on the door i mean that's better than nothing but keep in mind that they're they have families too and they they have want to be able to relax in the evening when they can and a lot of a lot of farmers depending on the time of year they're working from sun up to sundown um uh, you know and they may not even be home <laughs> sure so, that's true uh, right now a lot of them are out there uh, even at night, trying to get in these crops. Uh, I, I often yeah. tell people, uh, the, I give photographers the same advice I used to give hunters when I worked at the Game and Fish Commission. Sometimes it's best to drop in long before you would like to go and maybe offer mm-hmm. to give a hand with the chores or uh, take the farmer out to dinner to show show that you uh, really respect them and, and want to share. Uh, be sure you share some of your photos. I like to uh, yeah. get prints made and uh, send uh, some of the pictures maybe on a flash drive so they can see what I did. So that's important as well. Right. Yeah, especially if you you know if you're taking pictures for any kind of uh, professional purpose. If you're uh, working for a publication or a, a website, or if you're taking pictures for business or something, and you want images from a farm you know that's it's always best to make contact with with uh the farmer 
before you go out there. You yeah, know? And you can go through your county agents. You know, the, the county agents are, are great to work with. They're, uh, uh, they, they're like farmers in some, some ways. You know, there are certain times of the year when they're just tremendously busy, but they're always happy to be able to help you. Uh, and they're a good contact person because they know those farmers. They work with them day in and day out. And uh, not only can they help you make contact, but they also know, you know, who's got the best looking farm or whose crops are uh, at a stage that looks pretty, you know, because different different crops are planted at different times in the planting season. And so some of them may not be as, as uh, uh, far along and close to harvest as some others and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, the county agents are, are, are great to work with and uh, they they uh, they know their their county. They know their the, the farmers and and um, and they know you know uh, they may even know farmers who are uh, especially eager to show off what they're what they've got. Yes, and absolutely. So, uh, you know that's a good good route to go. Well, that's all good advice. I, you know, I believe you and I could sit and talk about this all day. There are so many aspects of it. But thank you for taking time to share some really good advice for folks who are out there. Uh, we encourage them to get some pretty pictures and share them, but do it the right way and uh, be sure uh, uh, you ask permission before you get on the farm and uh, try to share some of that with the folks whose land you're visiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank yes, you sir. very much, uh, Mr. Miller. We appreciate you being on AgCast, and we'll uh, hope to visit again here someday soon. Thank you so much for uh, giving me a call and giving me the opportunity to share with you. Very well. Thank you very much. Thanks. That's it for this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Join us again next Thursday for the latest on Arkansas agriculture.